Hoopball Podcast listeners. Are you a fantasy expert and want to write or podcast for Hoopball? Do you have aspirations of covering a team? Are you a master of sales and want to earn some cash on the phones? Well, we've got good news. Hoopball's recruiting. If you think you have what it takes, hit us up at Hoopball Fantasy on Twitter or by emailing teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. Again, that's at Hoopball Fantasy on Twitter or emailing teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. What is up? It's the Hoop Ball Clippers podcast coming at you on the Sunday night following the Lakers win over the Los Angeles Clippers. I am Brandon. He is Corbin. We're back together again. The Clippers fan and the Lakers fan, Corbin. Fills in sometimes for me on this Hoopball Clippers show and also has his own show. So he is a man of Hoopball at the moment. Corbin, how are you, my dude? Brandon, I am doing great. Excited. I mean, just whew, just such a great day. I can feel the energy, but um, I- I'm good. I'm good. It was a playoff atmosphere at uh, Staples Center, which was fun. But before we get to the game itself, tell the people about your new show, man, because uh, obviously we've got some people here on the Hoopball Clippers podcast that they, they like the Clippers, but bunch of nba fans i'm sure as well what kind of show are you doing okay yeah it's nba today and honestly it's i want it to be a different type of nba show we we kind of have the recaps if there's like a big game like i did talk uh or by the time you hear this the monday's episode is going to be kind of a recap of this lakers clippers game just more laker centric but i talk about big games talk about some historical insight got some fun segments i'll be doing so if it's like this past week we had uh it was jonas drebko's birthday and jason smith so i talked a little bit about their careers and their stats and some random thoughts just fun nba centric conversation every day and that's what i hope to bring um whether that's current i, I have some exciting um ideas in the future for retro breakdowns and things of that sort but all basketball something you can take away you know and carry on with your day as an nba fan and so that that's what nba today is just a, a daily show of fun nba goodness well that's awesome i mean that, that it's really <laughs> it's really cool that you're doing that and uh it's gonna be something that i'm sure will take off on this hoop ball platform and it's a lot of work that corbin puts into it so go ahead and support him make sure you listen to that you can find it all over the place on itunes as well give it that five star rating and review it as well to help out the pod but corbin we got to talk about this game man uh the lakers finally got one against the clippers and everyone was talking about coming in that the lakers probably needed it more because of the fact that the clippers won the first two against the Lakers. And these two teams were actually supposed to square off. Of course, the Kobe Bryant passing ended up making this game be the third meeting instead of the fourth meeting. And the Lakers looked good. It was really a back-and-forth game until the second half, and the Lakers took over. There are a lot of different points that I want to discuss, mostly, obviously, coming from the Clippers' sides, and says this is the Hootball Clippers podcast. I want, I want to first discuss something that was all over Twitter, and that was the decision to play Lou Williams as much as the Clippers did late in the game. Doc Rivers admitted after the game that the reason why he had Lou on the floor was because of Patrick Beverly's poor play. He wasn't playing great, so he went with Lou, and the Lakers did a really nice job of adjusting and putting Lou into actions and making him switch on to guys, and the Lakers made him pay, and that's something that 
I think the Lakers exposed was Lou Williams' defense and something that will be interesting to see how later on what adjustments the Clippers make. But what was your takeaway on that side? I mean, we're going to talk about the whole game, but I want to go piece by piece because there are different angles we we have to discuss. Oh, yeah. No, I my first thought on that is that I agree completely. Uh, my one thought was why would they not play more Reggie Jackson minutes yeah. as like immediate uh, – like immediate, forgetting the word. I was going to say mediary. I'm not going to try that again. Yeah. Anyway, someone who is between the offense that – Beverly um, can lack or doesn't bring consistently, yeah. as well as some more defensive pressure and fight than Lou Williams can bring to the table as well. And we didn't see a lot of that because I realized, you know, and as I'm sure you did in Clipper fans in general, that the Clippers didn't really have any offensive continuity. I mean, I think they had only 12 assists all game. And so you're trying to get someone there who could, you know, create their own offense and kind of jumpstart a kind of sluggish offense outside of Kawhi and Paul George, who was red hot. However, defensively, yes, it was easy to be picked apart. And in my mind, isn't that what you picked up Reggie Jackson for? Is another look off the bench when Pat Bev isn't having a super great game and when Lou Williams is being just assaulted repeatedly on the defensive end uh, for easy shots for the Lakers. Yeah, and Lou Williams, by the way, ended up playing about 28 minutes and he was three for 11, but he made a late three. So if you take that away, he was really two for 10 and had four points, five rebounds, three assists. He was not very good defensively, like we're saying. And like you said, I mean, Reggie Jackson only played 14 minutes. Uh, I'm not sure why you don't go back to Reggie Jackson or to Patrick Beverly because Lou Williams did not have it offensively. And if he doesn't have it offensively, Corbin, then he doesn't help you. And Lou Williams is a great guy. I mean, he is the definition of the sixth man in terms of scoring the basketball. But when you don't need his scoring, I understand you were trailing, but you have other guys on the floor that can score and you're getting hurt on the defensive end. If you can't get stops, it doesn't matter what happens on the offensive end. So I think there need to be an adjustment there. And one that I kind of am happy that this happened because it kind of exposed something that I think the Clippers are going to need to adjust the next time they play the Lakers. No, I completely agree. And you're right. It, it's, it wasn't a great shooting night. I think that with rotations and such, as we saw today, that Doc sometimes can get a little stagnant or, or focus a little bit too much on that. But you made a great point. It's something that has to be, you know, picked up. It's maybe Doc is looking at it now and saying, okay, here's notes I can use for the next showdown. But you want to have that stuff on the one hand in the bag, you know, little notes that you could take away. On the other hand, I do agree. Like, it would behoove of Rivers to maybe have pulled Will early, knowing that, okay, offensively, not bringing too much to the table. Defensively, every, you know, screen action, they were going right at him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I'm i curious to see what happens next time around because you wonder how much both coaches want to show each other right now because it really does seem the way that the Clippers and the Lakers are playing, they're destined to meet in the Western Conference Finals. So that fourth meeting, yeah. that'll be in April – I don't see very much being shown by both coaches because there has to be something that you hide before you face off against each other in the playoffs. I want to take a couple steps back because it's probably something I should have asked you before we even got going on the individual players. But overall, how big of a win do you think this was for the Lakers side of things? Huge. Uh, Huge. And I think it's just the byproduct of a huge weekend for the Lakers in general. You had that game against the Bucks. You know, right now, the Lakers have pretty much proven that they could take care of business on the road and that they can beat pretty much any team or have a very good chance to get them against them consistently, except for the best of the East in Milwaukee and the other team across the hall, the Sable Center with the Clippers. So just confidence wise, you needed this win. 
Yeah, you, know, you don't yeah. want to just psychologically. Yes, it's a veteran team. It's a LeBron James led team. We understand that. I mean, if they lost, I'm sure I'd be saying, listen, yeah, it's worrying, but you don't take too much stock into it. It's just a regular season game. But if we're being completely candid with ourselves here, that is something that at least you can take with you and go, okay, guess what? If we play this way, we can kind of beat this team that is geared up deeper, you know, better wings to stop LeBron. They're geared up to kind of take not only the rest of the NBA out with as far as the championship aspirations, but definitely tailored to the Lakers, especially with different pieces that the Lakers have pursued all season that the Clippers have on their roster, you know? Yeah, it's funny because there are so many hot takes that obviously come before and after these types of games. And whether it's LeBron James is better than Kawhi or the Clippers don't have anybody defend LeBron and AD. And it's like everyone forgets the first two matchups when the Clippers beat the Lakers. And I don't think you can really take that much away from this game. And what's funny is because you and I were talking right before we started recording and you're amped. I mean, you are pumped that the Lakers got this win. And for me, I'm not really that deflated about the Clippers losing. I kind of expected to lose the Lakers at some point. You're not going to win every single game. And Mm -hmm. that's, I really think what tells the story is that it really did mean a lot more for the Lakers to get this win because they need to prove to themselves that they could beat the Clippers and not make it three in a row where they lost to the Clippers while this Clippers team had been undefeated with everybody healthy. It's the first loss the Clippers have suffered with everybody fully healthy. So I think it really did mean more and a lot more for the Lakers. Would you agree? Oh, yes, especially you said it yourself. The fact that the Clippers were fully healthy makes a huge difference because opening night, and I'm telling you just speaking for the Lakers fans here, we go, okay, it's opening night. The Lakers weren't ready. If you look at the style of play that they played from that very first game, and I actually did rewatch it in anticipation of this matchup, you could see that they were focusing on being more of a ground-bound type of force the ball into AD in the post-type game, and that's not AD's game um, in its entirety, and that obviously isn't the Lakers' style of play in its entirety either. The second game, you know, it's like, okay, we're not healthy. LeBron's still working back from a groin injury, whatever, whatever. Um, But this is where you have, okay, both teams are matched up fully. And this from the Lakers' perspective here. How do we hold our own against this team? And I think it was further of a further, that much further of a confidence boost that you did have a fully healthy Clippers team. Now, yeah, there's variables, you know, shots not going down, different lineups. Like you said earlier, Brandon, like how much is each coach holding back from the other you know, if we're looking at this match, that could very well be a Western Conference Finals preview and should hold that way if the Clippers stay in the top four. But anyway, going back to what I was saying, with all that being said, four Lakers to go, okay, hey, we got this. And you have a much more reasoned, balanced take, Brandon, and most Clippers fans should because, like you said, some you lose some. And with as good a team as the Lakers are, you weren't going to just sweep all of them. Yeah. However, Lakers take some hope in one. You played them well, fully healthy, two. Both of them had reasonably good games. They both could have played better in Paul George and Kawhi, but it wasn't like uh, statistical anomalies, like one shooting nine for 26 or something. Two, AD had his first good game against the Clippers this season, and LeBron not only played well throughout the game with the strong sideline, but also down the stretch. And then the third point you could take away is that the Lakers finally had somebody who wasn't named LeBron or AD to step up and take some offensive, take some of that offensive load. And, with this Lakers team, the way it's comprised, you're not going to have one consistent person. We, the hope was that it would be Kyle Kuzma. Tonight it was Avery Bradley, 24 points, six threes. But if you have the blueprint right there of playing strong defense, LeBron and AD having good games, and having one other person out of that cast of characters the Lakers have that can come up and put points on the board and be a third guy to keep the Lakers just a little bit unpredictable, 
you can look at that, okay, here's the basic blueprint of how we can stay with the Clippers and potentially beat them. Because I think with those first two, with LeBron and AD, you have the, the chance right there to, of course, stay competitive. But what goes around that to make more of a case? And so that's what you look at. But I'm just going to say a little point. I want to hear what you think about this, Brandon. I think that some of this, obviously being the Clippers in and of themselves is huge yeah. as a Lakers fan, right? But I think a lot of this excitement is also because that Bucks game just two nights before. Yeah, no, for sure. And I think it shows that everyone that was talking about the Lakers now, they can't beat the good teams. They now have gone and beaten the Bucks and they've beaten the Clippers. And to your point, I mean, the first game, it was Danny Green. The second game, it was Kyle Kuzma. And then today, it was Avery Bradley. And we'll talk about Bradley in just a minute because it, Bradley did have his revenge game finally. It seemed like he had every single game circled when the Clippers took on the Lakers and he finally got his revenge game. But before we get to our next point, Corbin, the Clippers were two and a half point favorites. If you thought the Lakers could have won and you know what, you saw that spread, you said, you know what? I'm going to put some money on that. I think the Lakers can beat the Clippers. You could have easily gone. And you know where you could have gone, Corbin? You could have gone to mybookie.ag. That is our yes, online betting partner here at Hoopball. You can go sign up for a new account. Use the promo code TODAY. That is the word TODAY. And mybookie will give you a 50% deposit bonus up to $1,000. Whether you want to bet on the NBA, you think, all right, I know more than Vegas does, and they're stupid for thinking the Clippers are going to beat the Lakers. Or you want to go and bet on NHL, college basketball, the NCAA tournament starts in a couple of weeks. The big tournaments for the conferences start this coming week. So lots of stuff you can go ahead and bet on. Give you a 50% deposit bonus up to $1,000. Head there again. That is mybookie.ag. The promo code is the word today. Okay, Avery Bradley. We knew this was coming. I mean, at, at some point, he was going to get his revenge against the Clippers. 9 of 17, 6 of 12 from 3, ended up scoring 24 points. AD and LeBron are going to get theirs. They combined for 58, and they frankly are going to get about 60. And for the Clippers, it's about stopping the other guys. And this time, it was Avery Bradley. And I thought the Clippers did a really poor job defensively on him. And it's not going to happen every time you face the Lakers. I mean, Avery Bradley, correct me if I'm wrong, but it really seems like Bradley and Rondo were the two guys that Lakers fans have been fed up with this season. And then Bradley goes and gets 24 against the Clippers. Is that really, it's been the case, right? Bradley and Rondo are the two that Lakers fans don't really want to see on the floor. Oh, without question. You said it. I mean, ineffective defense, pesky fouls, and inefficient shooting uh, for Bradley. And then Rondo, we already know, with his lack of shooting and crazy passes at the wrong moment. So you nailed it. That's exactly how Laker fans feel when Avery Bradley and Rondo are you know, either A, starting, or B, getting heavy minutes. Well, and, and then you got to compare it to the Clipper side because Kawhi and PG, and PG was fantastic, by the way. His aggressiveness was great. He was getting to the hoop. He was making his shots, 9 of 16. He went to the free throw line 11 times. When PG's going to the line, he's doing things right. He had 31. Kawhi had 27. I thought he could have been better. Um, I know he shot 50%, but... Two of nine from three. A couple of things that really were poor from the Clippers. In the first quarter, Kawhi wasn't getting touches at all. I mean, he was coming down, and I think he hit his first two shots, and that was within a span of like five minutes. So they weren't getting the ball. And then PG, as good as he was, didn't have his first shot attempt until one minute left in the fourth quarter. I mean, that's inexcusable, and I think that is on the Clippers and on Doc to make sure that these stars are getting the ball. So... I mentioned those two guys, Trez and Lou Williams are guys we always talk about. Trez had 20, Lou Williams has seven, but Marcus Morris, 0 for 9 from the fields. He had one point. Lou Williams, 3 for 11, but really let's call it 2 for 10 before that last three. 
it's the role players. And with Morris and Lou Williams combined to go really two for 20 or so, I mean, that's not going to get it done while Avery Bradley was there playing really good. He had six threes. Kyle Kuzma was very good defensively. He had 10 rebounds as he was attacking the glass. I think this game was really about the role players for the Lakers playing better than the role player for the Clippers. Would you agree? I would completely agree. And that's telling because on paper, at least you would think that not only do the Clippers have a deeper like set of role players that can play two ways, but mm-hmm. also just a name brand and, and, and the kind of attributes that they provide. Yeah, you know, Reggie Jackson, Marcus Morris, those guys are off the bat. So the fact that the Lakers not only outplayed them, but to a pretty substantial degree in this game was really good to see. Yeah, and it's not going to happen very often, I feel like. No, I mean, when you have the guys like Kyle Kuzma, Avery Bradley, Danny Green, JaVale McGee, I mean, those guys aren't better than the Marcus Morris, Lou Williams, Montrez Harrell, Reggie Jackson. Um, I I just don't think that's going to happen very often. Okay, so we talked about the role players. I want to talk about Zubats because this is a guy that for the Clippers has not been playing as much as Clippers fans would like at times. He's been playing really well, but in this game, once again, Corbin, it's another game where Montrez Harrell ends up playing the final 18 minutes or so. I think he played the final 19 and it seems like we're pointing that number out whenever the Clippers lose. And it's something that Doc wants his offense on the floor. And usually when he wants his offense on the floor, that means they're losing. And so they have Trez on the floor and they do not give him a break and he wears down at the end of games. What's your take on that? Because Trez provides a lot offensively, but Zoo was pretty good defensively and their numbers support that Anthony Davis did not take as many shots close to the basket when Zoo was in. Oh, yeah, it, it, it continues to fuddle me. I know it's a running joke listening to this show and other Clippers pods that, you know, <laughs> Zubac is going to get his uh, honorable first half minutes, and then that is it for the rest of the night. And it's true. I mean, 13 minutes to only to, only 13 minutes to 33 minutes for Harold is just stunning, especially when you're right. When Zubac was in for those 13 minutes, he did damage. He definitely did. He made his presence felt. He's had such a strong year, and this has an added layer to me, like I said, being a Lakers fan, because I'm like, wow. We gave up this dude for what? You know what I mean? And, and seeing the production he's able to put up. And then you're right with Harold. Not only do you bring him in to, for offense, but that's on the hope that your defense between, like, let's give example this one um, line they had where it was Marcus Morris, uh, Lou Williams, Kawhi, PG, Harold. Yeah. You're hoping, from the Clippers' perspective, that your defense really comes from the wings in, in, in Paul George and Kawhi and that Marcus Morris can give you something only in this, in this situation, you know, pick and roll, screw and roll to get LeBron in the right matchup, which is either Lou will or Marcus Morris, neither of whom can stick LeBron. So that's the problem. And Howard wasn't giving any resistance at the rim. Just, I mean, he, he tries, but like you said, he, he tires and he's not the strongest defender to begin with. You're not saying at least in spot minutes, you couldn't get a uh, Vicha in there for just a little bit. Yeah. And I, 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 it continues to surprise me. Exactly. And he needed to give him some rest. And I want to give Justin Russo fly by night on Twitter. I've talked about his Twitter handle a bunch because he put some really good stats out there. So 31.8%. So about 32% of the Lakers field goal attempts with zoo on the floor came inside the paint. When Zoo was on the bench, that number went up from 32% to 48%. So that tells you what was happening. When Zoo was off the floor, the Lakers were in the paint. And also, 
Doc was talking about how he didn't want to go to the Davis-Zubots matchup at the end of the game. Davis was 7 of 10 from the field with Zoo off the floor and 4 of 9 with him on. Davis took two shots inside the paint with Zoo on and seven shots in the paint with him off. So I think those numbers say it all that you need to put Zoo on the floor. I understand you want the offense from Trez, but you have enough offense around him with PG, Kawhi, Lou Williams, Marcus Morris that you need to have a guy like Zoo on the floor to protect yep. the paint. Completely agree. You you nailed the the the, the nail on the co- on the coffin or nail on the head. I just wish that Doc would be able to hear that or change the philosophy at least a little bit because you're right. With so much offensive talent around Harold, anyways, yes, I get that it makes you harder to guard, but you are doing just as much damage on the other end, preventing the other team from scoring, particularly the other es- upper echelon of those teams, the Lakers, those guys who know how to prey on the weak defenders. So I, I don't see why, but you-, you nailed it. I couldn't have said it better. Yeah, and we talked about Avery Bradley. He had 24 points on 17 shots. Clippers not named Kawhi, George, or Harrell had 25 points, so one more point on 42 shots. 25 more shots than Avery Bradley and only one more point for the Clippers not named Kawhi, George, and Harrell. So we talked about Lou. His defense wasn't good. I think they should have gone to Pat Bev or Shamit or Reggie Jackson late in the game to help out defensively. We talked about Avery Bradley. He was obviously a big difference versus all the other role players. And we talked about Zoo versus Trez. I think those were three of the biggest points from this ball game. And I think the final point, at least from my side, is that Kawhi had zero assists. And we were talking time and time again when this season started how good of a passer Kawhi Leonard has become. And it seems like that was the next step we were seeing to Kawhi Leonard's game was he was becoming an incredible passer. He was getting five-plus assists pretty much every game while PG was out. He ends up with zero assists. The team in total has 12 assists on 34 made baskets. And I think that says a lot that the Lakers were doing a good job denying him the basketball. And when he was getting the basketball, they weren't giving him any passing lanes. Yeah, it was, it was simple. You're right. They, they made him play outside of his pace. And yeah. you know Kawhi has a different sense of pace that he plays with. People who watch know, you know, that, 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 that's not any brand new knowledge for you. But the way the Lakers did was just enough to throw him off. There was a couple of threes he took that were rushed. And you barely, rarely, rarely, barely see Kawhi rushed. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was interesting. They did a great job of cramping the lane and cutting off the angles. He had some where Kawhi's just so good that he's going to get to his spots and make shots. But they made it harder for him to get there, even when he was having KCP or smaller guys. And that's all the Lakers really had to trot out there. At times, it was more difficult um, for Kawhi to to get that type of shot. And one other thing that I was really happy for on Vogel's side is in that fourth quarter, we were just talking about the inability of Doc to really kind of change up with the lineups for uh, the bigs with Harold and Zubac. But you had uh, Coach Vogel start with um, JaVale McGee Mm -hmm. and then bring in Dwight Howard, you know, later in in the first half. Then he only gave um, JaVale McGee spot minutes in the second half and didn't play Dwight Howard at all all in the second half and really preferred a front court of uh, Kyle Kuzma, LeBron, and um, and Markeith Morris at the five, which was smaller, able to match up better with the Clippers. 
and still did just a stout enough job with the wing. So you had that adjustment period on one side that you didn't really see on the other. And like you said, that, that was kind of big. Yeah, and to, to your point, we were talking about adjustments and how Doc Rivers did not make the adjustments he needed by taking out Lou Williams and taking out Montrez Harrell, while Frank Vogel made a big adjustment not playing Caruso and Howard in that second half. He shortened his bench. They talked about it on the ABC broadcast. The Lakers went from 11 to 9, and it seemed like Vogel did a really nice coaching job today, and I think he deserves a lot of the credit for the Lakers' win. Yeah, no, most definitely. I mean, he's been the unsung hero for the Lakers because he doesn't I I haven't seen a coach get such such low maintenance but like no drama and nothing comes from Vogel's side. Mm-hmm. He's he's boring, vanilla, just says the right thing, you know, nothing that's going to draw attention and makes moves that are that are that are pretty effective. I mean, we look at LeBron, that's going to be the takeaway from this game. AD, um Avery Bradley, you know, the role players. We mentioned that, but like you said, we're getting now to Vogel who did a massive job with rotations, and some of that is buying from the veterans on the Lakers to go along with that, but you have to have a coach with the wherewithal and the know-how to make those adjustments on the fly. You know, and, and maybe this is a leak of what he might do in the future. It's going to be even more interesting the next time they play, although I'm throwing that one out with the Lakers going to be on a back-to-back-to-back, but now the Lakers have Deion Waiters, and I would imagine with his shot creation ability that that would take away minutes from offensively challenged guards like um, Rondo, and Caruso, even though Caruso brings you something defensively and IQ-wise. But that's all down the line. It's just a matter of saying that Vogel did a great job tonight or last or this afternoon and that there is still more that he can do. And it's great to see him be a lot more versatile and flexible in his approach to match up against this team that he's going to have to get through. Yeah, I agree that the next matchup you can't take anything from because it'll be the final matchup between these two teams. And we'll know that these two teams, where they are in the standings and most likely – They'll be destined to face each other in the Western Conference Finals, so neither coach is going to show its hand very much. And like you said, the back-to-back-to-back for the Lakers, and of course the Clippers going to possibly try and rest Kawhi and PG down the stretch, so we don't really know what's going to happen. This podcast, by the way, like all of our shows, is brought to you by our title sponsor, Hawaiian Owls Kona Coffee Company. Check out the website at hawaiianowls.com on Amazon for searching or by searching for Hawaiian Owls Kona Coffee or on Twitter at Hyatt Kona Coffee. And of course, this is a hoop ball presentation. Go ahead, just visit our website, hoop-ball.com. That's hoop-ball.com and check out all we have got to offer. Let's wrap things up by talking about the NBA standings, Corbin. So despite this loss, the Clippers are still the number two seed. The Lakers are six and a half games up on the Clippers. So you can pretty much lock in the Lakers as that one seed. The Nuggets are one game back in that three spot. The Utah Jazz are two games back of the Clippers in that four spot. And then OKC is three and a half games back of the Clippers in that five spot. And now you may say, well, you want to make sure you get that first round by. I've talked about this before. The schedule gets a lot easier from here, Corbin. After this Lakers game, the Clippers, after this point, and I've talked about this several times in the podcast, will get Golden State on Tuesday, Brooklyn Friday, New Orleans Saturday, then Dallas, Denver, Phoenix, New York Knicks, Brooklyn, Detroit, Charlotte, Indiana, Sacramento, Oklahoma City, Chicago, before they take on Utah and L.A. So a lot of winnable games coming up on the horizon. So I'm not panicking in Clippers Nation. I'm not, I'm not panicking. I think the two-seed is still the Clippers to get. What do you think? 
I agree. I think they're pretty safe. I mean, like you said, they're healthy. This is the first. They're ten and one with a fully health healthy roster. They lost one game to a really good Lakers team. That's great. But looking at the rest of this with you, yeah, this should be a no contest as far as some of these. Uh, it, it should be pretty simple. I think the Nuggets are close to competition. Honestly, they've been reeling. If we're gonna if we're gonna be frank, um, yeah. just in general. So yeah, I, I think as a Clippers fan, you are pretty solid. You stay in that top four seed. You know, it should work out as planned. It should work out as planned. Yeah, I think the Clippers will end up as that number two. And who they'll play, who knows? But uh, I think the Clippers, with this healthy team, as long as everyone stays healthy, I think they'll continue to rack up the wins. This is a game in which the Clippers did not shoot well. I mean, they did not hit many threes. I think as a team, the Clippers hit seven. Avery Bradley hit six. That's just not going to happen night to night. I mean, this was a night where if you're the Clippers – you actually can be pleased with the final result. You're within six or seven points with everything we were talking about, whether it was Lou Williams' defense, Pat Beverly not playing well, Marcus Morris not making a shot, Montrez Harrell playing ridiculous amount of minutes, Zoo only playing 14 minutes, missing free throws, missing your threes. Despite all of that, still within a couple of possessions of the Lakers, I think you can actually feel pretty good if you're the Clippers after that loss, as good as you can possibly feel after a loss. Do you think? Oh, I agree. I mean, this is one, like you said, takeaways, let's be measured. We're, we're not going, I mean, that's not how Twitter, that's not how NBA fans are usually, yeah. but in this case, you look at it all in stride. If anything, Clippers are up 2-1 if you want to go that route. If you don't, you lost a tough game to a good team. Yes, sir. That is as true as it gets. So the Clippers play Golden State on Tuesday and then Brooklyn on Friday. We're going to aim to try and get you a podcast on Wednesday or Thursday. You can follow me on Twitter, Brandon, at BD Marcus. You can follow Corbin on Twitter, at Corbin NBA. Check out Corbin's NBA show on Hoopball as he talks about everything going on in the association, gives you a different look into the NBA. Of course, the Hoopball Clippers podcast is on Twitter at Hoopball Clips. Corbin, congratulations on the dub, man. I appreciate it, good sir. Thank you. Until next time, I'm Brandon. He's Corbin, and go Clips. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.